Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary, and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast, Out of Patience, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alora Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Matt, I want to do our check-in today, but... My brain is not functioning on all cylinders because my air conditioning broke. Your house is still like under permanent construction, right? Yes. So I'm, I'm literally sitting here recording this in front of a giant plastic screen. And last night I had to sleep in my living room, which is stacked to the ceiling with boxes of food that used to be in my kitchen, which is also under construction. So I'm like sweating and tired and frustrated and conflicted and all of these things. So I need you to, I need you to help me out. Wait. So how is that different than any other day? <laughs> well, though, usually I have rage and I know it. Okay. This time I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I mean, I don't have a, a huge check-in update except for the fact that I'm really pissed off at the fact that I think New York state said that kids don't need masks anywhere anymore. And then the, the board of ed's like, kids need, still need masks in school. Like really? What is wrong with you? Wait, do you know what? That sounds like strangely akin to what happened in the email I got today from my child's school, which said in New Jersey, you still need masks at school, but not if it's over 79 degrees. What? <laughs> Who's, whose thermometer are they basing this on? It's like the, 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 the nuclear thermometer in Switzerland or something? They were like, in the cases of extreme heat, you no longer need masks. I was like, you know, I'm no virologist, but I'm pretty sure that how hot it is outside and how annoyed you feel by wearing the mask really doesn't indicate the level of risk of transferring COVID. Now, if only the MCA would follow suit because it gets fucking hot on the subways when the air conditioning isn't working. And people are still wearing masks on the subway, right? They are, yes. You have to. Surprisingly, yes. The compliance on the subway, at least the ones that I take, is astonishingly like near 100%. No one isn't wearing masks on the subways I take when I take the subway. 
that's what I noticed as well when I was on the subway, but I don't think I've been on the subway since things have been changing. So nothing has changed in the past couple of weeks on the subway. No, not that I'm aware of. I mean, you're getting there. Everyone's still putting their masks on. The signs are still there. They're still kind of like hall monitoring every now and then. But I think it's just a system that is well oiled at this point, at least in this city. I can't speak to every train line. Of course, I take like four or five varying on the day I go in and go out. But that's my only real update. It's just a little shade on the union for not complying with what the state deemed as kids don't need masks anymore. It's weird. Oh, I will say this, though. Speaking of updates, you know what's back? Lipstick. My lipstick has been weeping silently for the past 18 months because you can't really wear lipstick when you have a mask that's going on and off. Oh, and now things men yeah. don't think about. Yes. My lipstick is back. It's amazing. So and everyone, every woman I know has had the same experience, which is like we literally haven't worn lipstick in a year and a half. And now people can see our mouths again and it's time to like get the lipstick out. And it just seems like great fun. And I guarantee that the makeup companies are making a killing on lipstick right now. I want to know if like chapstick sales have plummeted in the last 18 months. No, I, I wonder if they have. Also, though, I did see at one point that fake eyelash sales went up during the pandemic because that was like the only part of your face that you could dress up. I know you're speechless. I don't know how to <laughs> respond to that. I know. Listen, I love me some fake lashes and I'm very happy that my lipstick is back. So for all of our listeners who partake, welcome back to lipstick. And there you have our weekly check-in, <laughs> friends. <laughs> so as we leave the check-in, Matt, I'm going to have to level with you. I'm feeling very conflicted today. Oh? Yes. So there are stories in the news that are COVID-related that we're going to talk about. And each one of them is leaving me feeling a little confused. Um, I know what the story is about, but I just can't settle how I feel about it. So I'm hoping you're going to talk me through this and and you're going to help me arrive at figuring out what my feelings are. Are you up to the task? I am up to the <laughs> I accept your challenge. Okay. So the first one is about the birth rate in the US. Remember last time we talked about the pandemic puppy myth and and we said, well, a lot of people also said that there's going to be like a baby boom after everyone was home during lockdown. And we wonder if that actually happened. And a divorce boom. The divorce boom, I can tell you, reporting in from family court, the divorce boom is going strong. However, you know, interesting, we'll never actually get the statistics on that because all the courts are so backed up that we won't see like a zillion divorces all at once because the courts can't handle them anyway. All right. So this forecasted <laughs> COVID baby boom, tell me it's yeah. like the pets. Is It's not true, is it? It is not only not true, but the United States birth rate fell to a 40-year low in 2020. I don't know what... what <laughs> my, all right. Uh -huh. my, right? So my mind just went to mental health performance anxiety from being stressed and isolated. <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of factors. And here's where I feel conflicted, right? First of all, no one is specifically saying, oh, this is definitely because of COVID. Because the U.S. birth rates have been falling for years. So it's not new that the birth rates are falling. What is new is that it normally falls, I think, about 2% a year. And this time it fell 4% from 2019 to 2020. So we, you know, that's a significant difference. But it's not as if birth rates were going up and now all of a sudden they're plummeting. It, they, you know, was a, it was a trend that the birth rates were going down anyway. 
But I was going to say, like, can they look at like January, February, early March births nine months later versus April, May, June births nine months later? So, I mean, could they? Yes. Have they? I, it, that's not clear. What I'm seeing is a lot of studies being done about where births happen, that people left big cities and gave birth elsewhere, um, that there's like racial generalities that we can make here, that the number of births declined 3% for Hispanic women, 4% for black women and white women. So we're seeing differences along certain racial lines. We're seeing people give birth um, away from their home more. We're also seeing a difference in ages. Specifically, we're seeing that the rate among younger women is going down more. So women in their 20s, their birth rate dropped like 6%, whereas women in their 30s, their birth rate dropped like between 2 and 4%. So there's a lot of data here. And I think it depends a lot on you know how we look at it and how we gather it. But the bottom line is, certainly there are not more births that happened during the pandemic. If anything, there are less. And why they're less is sort of still up for debate. I mean, this is going to skew the average year of average deaths against a significant year of significantly less births. So yeah. there's probably going to be some kind of over-under for 2020, but is that going to be anomalous? I mean, we'll have to see because, you know, again, because of the pandemic, so much was changed. So while, of course, we had this terrible death rate among COVID patients, we had less of a death rate among things like car accidents, you know, accidental deaths, things like that, because people weren't leaving their homes as much. And actually, the birth rate that went down most significantly were unplanned pregnancies, which would make sense because less people were going out, less people were dating, less people are dating, less people are having sex, less unintended pregnancies. That's fascinating. It is. So it's like there's like so much, like there's so many ways to look at it. And there are some experts that are actually really concerned about this because the the amount of people dying is outnumbering the amount of people being born. And they're saying that that's going to have major economic effects. Then, of course, there's plenty of other people that are saying environmentally, the planet can't sustain an ever-increasing birth rate. So it's not a terrible thing from an environmental standpoint, But it's which is why I'm conflicted. Because I don't know why this is the case, and I don't know what it means. So like, if more people are dying every day than are being born, the U.S. is going to see a reduction in population. Yes. Right. This is a U.S. statistic. So this is, you know, this has potential to affect things like, you know, uh, who's paying into Social Security and who can take care of the older generation and all of that kind of stuff, where we need more young people than old people in order to keep things working okay. Do we have any idea what the main reasons for reduction in birth rates was before COVID? Like, why was it dropping in the first place? They were, I, I've read that that one factor is that fertility rates have dropped among certain ages of women, but then also it's less unplanned pregnancies just generally because better education, better contraceptive availability. Then we're also seeing things like people just waiting till they're older to start families, you know, people making decisions, more two spouse working income families. So I think, you know, I don't know that there's any one reason for it, but I mean, it's kind of like, I wonder if whatever reasons were happening before were exacerbated by COVID or did it actually have to do with the logistics of COVID? Like it just, your mind can go in a million directions on this. I mean, my mind is going towards the obvious, which is less people worked, less people were social, less people went outdoors, less people were driving, less people were engaging with each other in the country for months at a time. So that's less interactions to copulate. 
There's less right. interactions to build relationships. There's less dating. There's less everything. Right. It's like we were at a standstill for at least 12 months um, where, you know, no one did anything. And it would make sense that people were sort of frozen and just didn't do much. And I imagine that husbands and wives with children perhaps stopped increasing the size of their families just because things were so uncertain that it would make sense to me that people said, let's not make any big life choices right now because who the hell knows what's happening. I feel like this is going to be like a slingshot back 2021, 2022 is going to be like, hey, we can fuck again. Yeah. You know, the thing is, that would be even more interesting, right? I wonder if what we'll see is more births this year, because as we come out of things, I wonder if there's more unplanned pregnancies and more planned pregnancies that people have said, everything's back to normal. That baby that I was holding off on having last year, I'll have this year because now things are like more normal. I could easily see that happening. Like 2021, 2022 is like the year of how you doing? (laughs) It's the year of the Joey. I would love that. I mean, it's just so, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to feel like, am I, Am I sad that the birth rate went down? Am I glad that people held off during COVID? Am I glad that these were unplanned pregnancies? Like, I just don't know how to feel. I think the reduction in unplanned pregnancies is a good thing. Right. Because they're unplanned. And I don't know enough to be an expert in the sense of how many people keep the baby, how many people abort the baby early, how many people give the baby up for adoption. Right, right. I think we can agree that unplanned pregnancies statistically are problematic because even though some people choose to just carry the pregnancy to term and have the child and love the child, anything that is unplanned, you know, has potential to like cause havoc. So I think that that it's safe to say that, yeah, like we, we want more planned pregnancies and less unplanned ones just as a general rule. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. It's just crazy though, especially against the backdrop of everyone saying that there's going to be this baby boom. I just want to see what the Florida stats are because they didn't even know COVID existed. So there had to be a lot of fucking in Florida. (laughs) At least fuckery. Next segment. Are you ready? Is this our fucking Florida segment? (laughs) But it's another segment that I don't know how I feel about it. I'm going to need your guidance. Okay, go ahead. Okay, thank you for being with me during this difficult time. (laughs) So here's what's going on. Florida, as you know, you know, isn't so psyched about all things COVID regulation. But the Florida Department of Health announced it will no longer be doing daily COVID-19 updates. The governor's office said no more daily updates. Now, when I first saw this, my initial reaction was to say, oh, there's Florida, being Florida again, being crazy, and being very disappointed with that. But then I thought about it. They are still doing weekly updates. They're just not doing them daily, okay? And I wondered for a minute, do we still need daily updates when the numbers have gotten really pretty low? I'm going to say no. We might not. Like, are, are any of us listening to the daily updates? I'm not. So at some point, we will begin to recover from this catastrophe, and maybe this is a sign of recovery, and maybe I shouldn't be so quick to judge Florida for not reporting. 
Well, Florida leading the way said no one ever. It might make sense in this case. It might, but I don't know. Because the thing is, I think that there are plenty of people who over the last 18 months have become so accustomed to looking at those daily numbers and putting so much stock in them and have and those numbers have so much meaning for them that they sort of need to see those numbers on a daily basis in order for them to have confidence that the world is returning. So, I mean, I wonder if it almost is counterproductive. In other words, Florida might be saying the crisis isn't so bad so we can kind of walk back our daily updates. There may be Floridians who feel that they cannot get back to normal until they see, you know, 15 days in a row with very low numbers reported. You know, I don't know. I mean, if there's a way to justify this in the sense of like more people are dying from car accidents again than COVID, is that normal? It's morbid, but it's... It it is. But at the same time, like, it's not just about how many people are dying. Because whether a lot of people are dying or no one is dying, we have all lived through this crisis and it's very fresh in our minds. So people may still need updates for for a variety of reasons because it's so fresh for us. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that they're backing off. I'm sure it's well-intentioned. I just, I'm just conflicted. Well... Florida. You're not helping. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not helping. All right. I may take an unpopular opinion as a New Yorker, but I'm going to side with Florida. I think we're at a point now where it may induce less fear into the people or the segment of the population that is living in fear that this is a milestone of progress, assuming they're able to kind of talk about how this choice was because of progress. I like that outlook. You know, I'm going to join you in that outlook. You have made a rational case for why it's a good thing. And I'm going to be right with you saying that this is a sign of good to come. So thank you for resolving that. My work here is done. And now I shall see myself out. (laughs) No, don't, because I have more things I need you to help me resolve. Oh, dear God. Is this still the second segment? Uh, I think it might be. It's It's a quick other question for you in the second segment. Very quick. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, and shoot. Okay, so they're reporting that it's possible that the American South will see a surge in COVID numbers this summer. And that dovetails ever so effortlessly with the fact that I just planned a family vacation to Charleston, South Carolina. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, except they're saying that there's going to be a COVID surge there. Right. But are we at a point now where it's killing anyone anymore? I mean, I say that not like asympathetically, but has it been managed enough? with maybe enough of a percentage of the population that has been vaccinated and perhaps enough of the population that has not but had COVID and has antibodies, are we at that point where it's just not as much of a boogeyman anymore? I I mean, I hope so. But then again, I read that Mississippi has only 35% of its people vaccinated. And honestly, that scares the shit out of me. And and not coincidentally, Mississippi always on the bottom of the education list and on the bottom of the vaccination list. Right. But you're talking four states west of South Carolina. No, I know. But I'm just like, I don't know. The people who write these articles are predicting that it's going to be a shit show in South Carolina. I just rented a fantastic beach house. It didn't even occur to me that there would be a COVID surge. I thought we were done with COVID. You should have gone to New Zealand. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) So I don't want to feel conflicted about my vacation. I want to go there and be happy and, you know, see the dolphins and look at some gardens and eat some food and just be happy. Are you going to a place that's like vaccine only or are you just going to have to deal with risk all over again? I mean, 
truthfully, I don't know because we're going to do some tourist stuff and I don't think it's vaccine only, but you know, primarily we'll be outdoors and we'll all be vaccinated. So I'm not super concerned for us, but honestly, it's just like, I wasn't even thinking of this and it just popped up and I felt like, oh, is this something else I have to worry about? Because I just can't be stressed about this anymore. Well, tell me it's okay. I go on vacation. I'm just saying Xanax. Xanax and suntan lotion. <laughs> okay. That'll be good. Make a little paste like a apothecary. A paste? Like a poultice? No, like get like a- A, <laughs> a salve? A, a mortar and pistol and just grind it, you know, in you know a I ceramic bowl. I know you have one of those. That's why I said it. Bring it with you. <laughs> that will solve everything. I'll be just like Claire on Outlander. I'll start making pastes and shit with the herbs. On that note, it's time to make some money with some advertising. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, Allura, we are here at our final segment. What are we talking about now? Okay, I'm still conflicted. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I need this one is the one that I am most conflicted about. So we went from your conflicting take on the lower birth rates in America whether or not they're related to COVID or not, I think they are, to your conflicted thing about Florida not giving daily updates on COVID, but rather weekly, which you're agreeing with me on because somehow I did something right. And the other one is like you're taking this trip to the South and like Mississippi's going to be the next pandemic universe <laughs> of death and hell. <laughs> yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah. Right. And yet you're still conflicted. I'm still conflicted because... Bree, our fantastic producer, brought this story to my attention. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know how I feel about this. Listen to what's happening. So American expats, people that are living overseas but are still American citizens, are not able to get the COVID vaccine in a lot of situations. Now, I'm not talking about uh, like military personnel who's stationed overseas. And I'm not talking about people that work for the State Department. I'm talking about just like people who decided to go live overseas in some 
some situations, they're not able to get the COVID vaccine if they're living in a country that doesn't have a lot of COVID vaccines. And they are rallying together. And and there's like 9 million of these people, by the way. Um, They're rallying together and saying that the U.S. should somehow arrange for them to get COVID vaccines in the countries that they live in. As some kind of like diplomatic entitlement? I guess. I mean, the the logic goes that they pay taxes because these are still American citizens and they still pay taxes. They're required to pay taxes, which is in and of itself like a whole hot button topic because these are people living and working outside the U.S. They still have to pay taxes and they feel like, hey, if I'm required to do that, you still care enough about what I'm doing in this other country. You should be making sure that I get my COVID vaccine. Wow. I know. Wait, why are you conflicted? That just seems because like it's something we should do. I don't think so. I don't know that that's true. I mean, of course, I think it would be great for everybody who would like a vaccine to get a vaccine. On the other hand, I feel like if you move out of the U.S. and live in another country, then you don't get all the privileges of living in the U.S. That's why it's great to live in the U.S. because COVID came and we got our shit together with the vaccines. And I'm very sorry if you live someplace else, but like. Now what? The U.S. has to like airdrop you your COVID vaccine when the other people in the country you're living in don't have one? It just seems crazy to me. Wait, wait. Remind me again. These are people who have given up their citizenship or they're maintaining dual citizenship? Um, no, I think they're still American citizens, but they're just – yeah, they are st- they can still vote. They can still pay taxes. They're just like living elsewhere permanently. And are they expecting – you mentioned – I just went to right. Operation Dumbo Drop. I don't know why. Right. Operation, it, Operation <laughs> Dumbo Drop. <laughs> This is Operation Dumbo Drop for COVID expatriates in America. All right, living overseas. That is a really weird reference right there. I'm, I don't I'm know. Not lie. I'm living in the 80s today. I can, what, what can I say? Yeah. Regardless. So we're talking about, do they expect then maybe we fly them back to the US, get vaxxed, and then fly them back to where they live? No, because that's already an option. They, oh. they These are people who don't want to do it that way. Oh, then because- fuck them. That's sort of how I feel. Okay. Like, fuck them. You decided not to live here. All right. I'm, I I flip back to, I never really flip, but I, I, you're, I agree with you. I will help but you here's, maintain non-conflicting mental state yeah. on this. I mean, it, it's the thing is, I hate to say that because, you know, there are people who they live overseas for whatever reason and they can't afford to get back. And that's why they couldn't come back here. Like, I get it. But I don't know. It just seems like you're asking to have all of the benefits of living in this country, but you don't want to live here. Right. Like I, I, it just seems like like major entitlement in my in my view. And and look, their argument is that there are still expectations on them, like paying taxes. But I don't know. Like I, I sort of feel like this this would be like saying I moved to Georgia, but I really like New York pretzels. So like, can you FedEx me some good pretzels? Like, no. If you want them, then come here. But that's what Amazon's for, right? Also true. There's no Amazon COVID vaccine ex- Federal Express to Taiwan. No, apparently not, which I don't know why. Like, I mean, you can buy anything anywhere all the time these days. So, like, I don't know why someone can't just send a COVID vaccine. But I don't know. It's like a very controversial thing. And the White House is saying that they might even do it. I don't know. It just seems like it only reinforces American exceptionalism, which I'm on the fence about. Yes, I I feel like that's why this bothers me. If you're an American and you're living in France, then that's called you have to do what the French people do. I mean, we have this expression, when in Rome. Like, this is exactly that situation. Right. So, I I mean, and, and I say that not wanting people to not get vaccinated. Like, sure, if it's easy for the U.S. to do this, then go ahead and do it if it's no big deal. 
but I'm sure it's not no big deal. I'm sure it's expensive. And I feel like, you know, buy the ticket, take the ride. You moved out of the country. Like there are consequences. Yeah. I, I maybe I'm missing something. I mean, like I'm I'm kind of creeping a little back more towards partially conflicted, but I do agree. Like, I mean, should you throw the baby out with the bathwater? But if you're paying taxes, what does that entitle you to, may I ask? Well, I think it entitles you to knowing that the American government is still running because, you know, that's what in large part our tax money does. It keeps the government running. It's not like you pay taxes and you can then just go decide how the government uses it. This is not a bad time to point out that as much as vaccines are so important, none of us have a legal right to them. The only right that we have is that if they're given out, we have the right that they're given out equally among all people. But we don't have a right to demand them. If the U.S. government didn't want to give us any of the vaccines, they wouldn't have to. And there's the lawyer coming yes, right out of you, Laura. Right there. That's what it is. You're in beast <laughs> lawyer beast mode right now. <laughs> I love that. I mean, look, and, and I will be honest. I am by far any kind of an expert on expats and what they do and how they live and, and who they are and you know, the complexities of that. I really don't know a whole lot about it. But uh, at first blush, this I, I just left feeling confused and conflicted. And I don't know that I feel better, but I do feel a little bit validated for being conflicted about it. All right. I'm back with you now. I, I, the lawyer argument just really solidified it for me. <laughs> You're back on planet. Fuck them. Yeah, because <laughs> something like that. But like with all with all, you know, empathy and, and understanding, you're right. We pay taxes here, but we're not entitled to it. Right. And, and you know, what we are entitled to do is, like I said, we're entitled to be treated equally. Um, we're entitled to due process and we're entitled to, you know, all kinds of legal rights. But, you know, again, it, it's important to understand that we don't get to just demand that the government take care of us. Um, you know, that would be called socialism. We don't have that here. Um, so, you know, despite what Fox News says, it's not how it works here. So and, and also, I don't know that I have a lot of sympathy for expats because my perception is that the majority of them are very rich. But maybe I, I'm not sure if I'm right about that. Well, should there be any expats listening to this particular episode? Of Vaxon. We'd love to hear from you. I think Vaxon should send us to go and live someplace very tropical for like six months. And then we can report back in from from the ground. Like a really better version of Lost. <laughs> yes. Minus the plane crash. And not with that thing where you got to push the button. All the no, time. no buttons. No buttons. <laughs> So, well, Matt, thank you so much for, you know, walking me through my conflicted emotions during this episode. I feel like I should be like on a scale of one to ten from <laughs> one being not conflicted and ten being total fuckery of conflict. Where do you land at the end of this episode? Probably at like a five, like right in the middle. <laughs> That's a good median bell curve of stress. You know, the thing is. In a normal circumstance, I'm usually annoyed and I know why I'm annoyed. This time, I'm not even sure if I'm annoyed. So I guess that's progress. Annoyed-ish. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, on that note, we hope you've enjoyed this fabulous episode of Vaxon this week. We hope you're not conflicted about that. Yeah, if we've helped allay any conflictions, I made the word up, in <laughs> you, the listener, you're welcome. Or we're <laughs> sorry, either one. Right. You're welcome. We're sorry. That's all. Have a good week. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxonPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. 
Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.